Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. Today's broadcast is a very special one and I just wanted to warn listeners that there will be images of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples that have died. I wanted to start off the show by paying tribute to... Uncle Archie Roach, who has died at the age of 66, and I believe he died on Saturday night at Warrnambool State Hospital. And pretty soon we're going to be speaking with Uncle Jack Charles, who I heard on the ABC this morning, um, National Radio, Radio National, sorry, talking about Archie. And I actually also heard a beautiful um, two-hour show by with Robbie Thorpe and. He played some marvellous interviews with Archie, with also Gillard as well, um, and looked at the history of, of his music. And in fact, Archie has had also a very special connection with um, 3CR. And of course, there was some music played um, with Ruby Hunter as well. And so I wanted to pretty soon be speak, speak with um, Uncle Jack, And just to tell you a little bit about him, I'm sure a lot of people know Uncle Archie. He's a musician, he's a senior elder, songman and storyteller. And he's from the the Stolen Generations and he's he's done so much. And I think one of the songs that really um, had a special significance was the song Took the Children Away. Um, at the event in 2008 at which the Australian Prime Minister, Kevin Rudd, gave a public apology to the stolen generation. So we'll be speaking with Uncle Jack pretty soon. He was very close to Archie. And then, after that, we will speak with um, David Glantz from the Refugee Action Collective, and we're going to be speaking with him about what's happening with the asylum seeker and refugee policy and what's Labor doing about it and are they being left behind And throughout the show, we will be, as I said, um, paying tribute to Uncle Archie and um, dedicating the whole show to him. So we'll be speaking with Uncle Jack soon. The story's right, the story's true. I would not tell lies to you. Like the promise says, they did not keep. How they fenced us in like sheep They said to us, come take our hand 
set us up on mission land. They taught us to read, to write, and pray. Then they took the children away, took the children away. Children away, snatched from their mother's breast. Said this is for the best. Took them away. The welfare and the policemen said you got to. Understand, give to them what you can't give. Teach them how to really live. Teach them how to live. They said, humiliated them instead. They taught them that, and taught them this, and others taught them. Prejudice. You took the children away. The children away. Breaking their mother's heart, tearing them all apart. Took them away. Give a damn, and my mother cried. Go get their dad. He came running, fighting men. Mother's tears were falling down, and my dad shaped up, stood his ground, and he said, "You touch my kids, but you got to fight me." And they took us from our family. This is for the best. Took us away. Roach passed away and Aboriginal people do die a lot younger um, than non-Aboriginal people and I wanted to, just a little bit of silence of respect, I'm not even sure if I timed it to a proper minute but I don't think you'll mind (laughs) It's approximately 4.08 and we're going to be speaking now with Narita Waite who is going to be joining us very soon, she is from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service and she's the um, CEO there. She's a proud Yota Yota woman and CEO of the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. Narita has been at Vales for almost a decade and has a vast amount of experience as both a lawyer and social justice advocate. And in Victoria, 
the Aboriginal imprisonment rate has almost doubled in the last 10 years and about half of the prison population is on remand. And I invited Narita to talk about the broken bail laws um, and, and discuss that. Hello, Narita, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's been a really, really difficult um, first 10 minutes of the show. I apologise if, um, if, if we had to keep you waiting. Sorry, Narita. No, that's completely understandable. I'm actually pretty upset at, um, at the passing of, of Uncle Archie, as, as you would be yourself. Yes, uh, it's always tragic when such a beautiful figure passes away, but I think what can give us solace is that he's currently with his beloved, um, being Annie Ruby, and um, hopefully there's peace um, and love right there. Absolutely, absolutely. And, of course, the broken bail laws are relevant to him and all Aboriginal people, isn't it? Bail law is not just only relevant to Aboriginal people, it's relevant to everybody who Absolutely. lives in Victoria yes. um, or visits here, um, basically has any connection to Victoria because the system... Um, I mean, broken isn't the best... Broken isn't apt to describe the level um, of horror um, and dysfunction um, in the system. Okay. Uh, well, so I'm sure um, you remember um, that back over 30 years ago, um, Ricky Dick made a recommendation um, around bail laws um, and how they should be improved to ensure that um, people who are not deemed a serious risk are able to safely access bail. Well, rather than comply with that recommendation, what we're seeing, particularly in Victoria, is a slider to greater and greater restrictions on bail laws to now, where if you're an Aboriginal woman like Veronica Nelson was, who um, may be suspected of shoplifting, um, you can be remanded, unfortunately, even lose your life um, because of failures in the system. That's how bad it is at the moment. Indeed. And in fact, all women... All women have been affected by all this because they are caregivers and there's been a lot of family violence as well with a lot of women. And, and yet they're, they're in prison on remand. 100%. So, um, I mean, look, the, the, the remand population um, for women um, is much higher um, than men. Um, and a lot of the time, like you said, Women are there due to family violence, whether it be overt physical or verbal violence, or whether it be, you know, coercive control. Which we see that 87 over 87 percent of our women who are inside have identified as a causal factor in their offending. Often, which is offending um, of a petty nature. So you're talking shoplifting. Really, it's about poverty crimes, um, because often enough, um, you know, they're doing things out of desperation because they don't have funds, um, and a lot of time that's down to abuse. Um, and it's really, really tragic. And, you know, these women are often caregivers. Um, you know, they're the ones who are stepping in um, to look after aunts and uncles, to look after their parents or their grandparents. They often have children. Um, they're often caring for children of um, other siblings or cousins. Um, it's not like you want, if they're on remand, it doesn't affect the vast majority of people. It breaks down a whole family um, and can lead to child protection involvement, which, as you know, can then lead to those children becoming involved in the justice system. And the remand dates just keep increasing. In June 2021, 50% of Aboriginal people in prison in Victoria were on remand, but back in 2017, that was only 32%. 
And in June 2010, that was 20%. So that shows you how each time the law has changed, it has changed in a way that disproportionately affects Aboriginal people. Exactly. And and also looking at the children as well. Exactly. And it's, it's important for people to remember that children are subject to the same bail test as adults which is completely ridiculous um, and doesn't make sense. Um, and what you see often enough is that, um, like our black women, um, children, um, are one of the biggest remand rates going because often enough um, they're children in care, so you know, they're relying on the state to provide them a safe place to be in order to meet the bail test, but often enough due to resource restrictions and, um, you know, uh, dysfunction in departments, that doesn't occur. Um, and it's just really sad that, you know, 30 years ago, the Royal Commission to Advertising Custody handed down its report, which talked about increasing access to bail and only using a prison as a sanction of last resort. But all we've done since then, um, whilst we've repeated all of these reports and reviews and inquiries, is just go backwards in the law. Indeed, and that's why I invited you on, because I, I felt that it was really important to talk about that and also talk about ways that we can we can try to to remedy this. I mean, is there is there a petition? Yeah, so we have a petition right now, um, which you can access on our social sites or on our website, um, www.bows.org.au, which has over 2,100 signatures. Um, and it's, we've had support from all over Victoria, um, lots of support from people in Melbourne's northern suburbs, so Coburg, Preston and Northgate, um, and obviously being in Preston, in terms of our health, it's nice to have support from the local community. But we've also seen it from the western suburbs, a lot of people put their own sunshine shine up, sliding on. Um, and also regional rural Victoria, where um, the majority of Victoria's Aboriginal population is. So um, places like Ballarat, Bendigo, Castlemaine, Geelong and Shepparton. And um, I urge your listeners to really go to our website, vows.org.au, um, or even just Google Vows or Vows Bail Petition and click the link and um, sign on. And the reason why this is important is, like we've discussed, um, you know, imprisonment is worsening for our people. Uh, the data from the Productivity Commission showed that across Australia, gaps actually worsening corruption imprisonment rates and deaths by suicide. Bail laws obviously contribute to imprisonment rates, um, but also impacts the rate of death by suicide because contact with the legal system and imprisonment are risk factors for death by suicide. In Victoria, we're seeing this with a 75% increase um, of suicide um, for those who've had contact with the justice system in the last 72 hours. Uh, we've also seen um, data from the Proctivity Commission show that the gap is worsening for out-of-home care rates and children being developmentally ready once they reach school age. And, you know, children don't have their educational needs met um, in out-of-home care and they're more likely to have contact with legal systems. The current bail laws mean that they face the same tests as adults. So if you think that um, those things cause you concern, please go to our petition and sign it. Um, and it's really clear there what we're asking for, which is for the Premier to change our broken system um, and, most importantly, adopt the recommendations that um, we feel are well-evidenced. Um, so removing the, removing the presumption against bail, creating presumption in favour for all offences, um, with Jonas and the prosecution demonstrate that bail shouldn't be granted and clarify that flight risk is just a risk of the person fleeing the jurisdiction um, and also making sure that bail hearings take place in person. 
um, and that we increase the number of diversity of our bail justices and we ensure um, that support services are adequately funded and ensure that bail decision makers um, make decisions um, in light of a person's individual circumstances um, and explain how they discharge those duties. So some really practical things um, to fix the bail system as much as possible. Um, of course, without revolutionising the justice system, it's, it's hard to make it fair, um, but we feel this goes some way to mitigating the worst effects of the bail system. And would you agree then that part of that petition, or, or you know, not just a petition, but in terms of moving forward, is mm. no over-policing and abolition of prisons and safe communities where people can be on country? Well, you've just given me the perfect op the perfect opening um, to say that last week uh, we um, released our expansive paper um, on the need for police reform, um, particularly oversight. Um, and I urge your listeners um, to either check out the more truncated form um, on our website or the more fuller paper um, to understand what. Um, reforms are needed in this space. And look, we have been talking about police reform for decades. I mean, ever since I can remember, and certainly, um, you know, during when we would see Uncle, Uncle Archie, he was talking about this for a really long time. Um, so this is something that we're all dedicated to making happen, um, and it's something that makes the fair system for all of us. Um, and in terms of um, the carceral system, um, it's beyond failed. Um, you know, when you look at what's going on, um, particularly in the fact that when I go out to prisons all the time, you know what they complain about? They're not getting services to address their offending. A lot of them are not getting fair access to health care. Um, a lot of them are not getting access to mental health services despite reports of self-harm. Um, and, you know, that kind of stuff is completely degrading. It, we're not fixing people, we're breaking them. Um, so I completely agree with you on the carceral system, but also on fixing um, our child protection system. Um, that's not just you need a fixing, it's need a revolution, basically. Absolutely. And how do we get hold of that of that report? Um, sure. So you can just go on our website, um, w, uh, so justbows.org.au, um, and it's just right there under um, our publications tab, or um, if you're active on social media, so Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, all of them, um, you'll find it in our latest post. Wonderful. And I'm hoping, I'm not sure what the services are like for people in prison, probably pretty abysmal because we do have some listenership in prison, but we'll have to work out how that can happen. A hundred percent. And um, I know that um, later this year, um, the recommendations will come um, from the inquest of the death into Veronica Nelson, which concerns um, failings in prison. So I urge your listeners again to keep a track of that. Um, and once those recommendations are released, um, really push um, to ensure that uh, systems are held to account and the family is able to get justice. Narita, thank you so much for coming onto the program. It's been lovely to have you. And and I'm hoping to have you back very soon. Always lovely speaking to you. Goodbye. Good on you. Take care. Bye bye. Imagine what it would be like to be homeless in a city under curfew and in lockdown. When your everyday life has been turned upside down and it becomes illegal to be on the street. 
Tune in to Homeless in Hotels. A three-part radio series giving voice to the people who went from a life on the street to a life in hotels. And the support workers experiencing the shifting ground on the front line of COVID-19. Premiering on Thursday, July 28th, 12pm to 1pm. On 3CR, 855 AM. Homeless in Hotels, a 3CR supporter. Time show, and we're going to be speaking now with Uncle Jack and paying tribute to Uncle Archie who passed away on Saturday night. Hello, Uncle. Hello, how are you? Is that you, Marissa? It is. It's great to have you. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good to be in, here. Man. In fact, I heard you on Radio National this morning, bright and early. Ah, yes, yeah, yes, 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 with the with what's his name, man. Um, uh, Get his name now. He cut me off anyway. <laughs> he did. <laughs> they, they put you on just before the news there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Silly buggers. Anyway, um, uh, it's good to be here with you. Uh, uh, I'm, uh, I am uh, in a uh, state of uh, despondency at the moment. Yeah, me too. Uh, with the, the loss of, uh, of the legend, uh, but. Um, Look, uh, I, I, just let me tell you a couple of things that uh, that um, I noticed uh, in the last week, in the last week. I did uh, my show, A Night with Uncle Jack Charles, at the Collingwood Town Hall on a Saturday, and Archie did his show on a Sunday at the Collingwood Town Hall. And it was to be his last show. Uh, because shortly thereafter, he ended up in hospital, and a couple of days later, he uh, passed away on the, on the Saturday, the next Saturday. So, uh, but um, Jill rang me, Jill Shelton rang me, and said, uh, Uncle, um, um, uh, I'm glad uh, I got you to record a few words to uh, to, uh, to play to Archie while he was in the hospital there. And he, um, you know, is very comfortable uh, hearing my voice and the smile on his face. And uh, he uh, he left himself and said with great dignity and uh, completely at peace with himself and the world. And he knew that um, his time had come and he was ready to go. So uh, what a you know only a legend like that could uh, you know could uh, go in such a uh, in such a fashion. And they're completely at ease with himself, comfortable in the knowledge that his uh, his words, his songs, his stories um, of the the stolen and etc. had um, you know reached um, far beyond our shores, even globally, but uh, all around the nation, all the everybody in the nation would be uh, sad and sorry that uh, CRT uh, passed on. At such a young age, but um, you know, I'd, I'd hazard a guess that uh, you know all the black brothers around the nation would be in in uh, deep mourning for him. Yeah, Uncle Jack, you were speaking this morning, and I was really getting interested. And mm. you weren't even able to finish what you wanted to say. And I was wondering if we could continue our discussion. Um, well, not our discussion. I mean, it started at 
when I was listening to Radio National and ABC, you were talking about how um, Archie had a connection with Paul Kelly. And, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and, oh, well, it goes back a long, long way. Really? Um, Can you talk about young. that? And also talk about what happened in Sydney as well for you. Yeah, yes. Well, Archie... But speak yeah. up a little bit, Uncle. Go on. Okay, yeah. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Archie um, and Paul uh, you know, have had a long engagement, both musos and et cetera, both deep respect for one another and collaborating and et cetera. And I remember hearing Archie's songs in the background of, uh, of, um, of the movie uh, starring Kelton Pell and Paul Kelly, um, One Night the Moon. And um, it, it was just fantastic to hear that. That was such a long time ago. And just recently at the St Kilda Festival, I uh, had, was fortunate enough to uh, interview Kelton uh, 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 Pell at the ESPY in regard. They showed uh, One Night the Moon and I interviewed him about uh, collaborating, working with um, legend Paul Kelly on that, uh, in that movie. And, um, and the, the songs of Archie at the background too. So, and he did the same with uh, Trackers too. He's uh, heard many songs, you know, um, uh, throughout uh, the movie with Trackers and uh, David uh, Delapingu, uh, who passed on. I'm saying his other name, but everybody mm -hmm. knows. But, uh, but uh, look, uh, we're allowed to say Archie. Yeah. And his family had uh, allowed we that are. to happen. Uh, and, you know, and, you know uh, but so, so there you go. Um, uh, but uh, yes, Archie picked me up when he realised that I was back in Melbourne so soon after I'd gone up to Sydney to. Uh, uh, to, to do uh, Sydney Theatre Company to do Kate Grenville's The Secret River. Um, and um, as an elder, I thought I'd nick in on the second week's rehearsal on the Monday on the way to rehearsals into the Arts Council of Australia, to the ATSI board of the Arts Council of Australia in Strawberry Hills there. And uh, I pulled down the manager and I said, listen, uh, uh, look, I intend to uh, seek... Uh, a grant of $50,000 for a coffee table picture book I wanted to produce. And is it true that any of us seeking dedicated Aboriginal arts funding have to prove our Aboriginality? Oh, well, I, I, I can tell you I, I'm uncomfortable actually doing this. I don't think that I should have to prove my Aboriginality to you. You have been funding uh, your organisation. The ATSI Board of the Arts Council of Australia have been funding the shows that I've been in for many years. So get back to me at rehearsals on this matter, OK? So, indeed, <laughs> on the morning tea time came and the stage manager came up and said, uh, Uncle, uh, uh, the uh, uh, members of the board, of the ATSI board, uh, have said that uh, they make no exception. Uncle Jack has to prove his Aboriginality. Well, I, uh, I took umbrage to that immediately and... Uh, I down tools and uh, said, I, I won't be back today. I, I, I'm going out. Um, um, and I didn't let them know what was happening. But I just said, I'm, I'll be back tomorrow. So I came back the next day. I mulled it over and I thought, well, hang on, this has been happening for 
many years, the Arts Council of Australia, the ASI board, have dashed the dreams and hopes of so many people with that insidious question of proof of Aboriginality in the arts. And so I remember Lisa Mazza saying to me many years ago that uh, he she believed it was a bit of a furphy that there would be countless uh, Indigenous white... No, I mean, that, that there would be countless white people uh, accessing in the arts claiming to be Aboriginal when they're not seeking dedicated Aboriginal life. They don't have to do... You know, they just have to go into the same building to the Ordinary Arts Council and they don't have to prove anything, you know, to get a grant. So so I, I, um, I, I went back the next day and I said, listen, I can't be in Sydney any longer than I have to be. I don't want to be here in Sydney. Uh, and I know it's not Sydney Theatre's company, Sydney Theatre Company's fault. I pulled down Kate Blanchett, the cast and the crew, and I had this private conversation with them. I said, but I'm not wired to tolerate uh, behaviour like that from the gangsters of the ACI Board of the Arts Council of Australia. And so I'm taking my leave, I'm going back to Melbourne, and I'm going to make a um, an act, take an action against the Arts Council of Australia to stop asking people to prove their Aboriginality. And lo and behold, Kate Blanchard came up to me after I had this. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. You know? I mean, I wanted to play Yellow Monday. I wanted to do that to play. And, yeah. But, you know, circumstances <clears throat> happened, how greater than any of us can believe had conspired to make it impossible for me to uh, tread the board at any Sydney stage as an actor until this was resolved that I was, you know, that the Arts Council had approved my Aboriginality, which was ridiculous. So I went back to Melbourne uh, and um, I sought legal advice through Fitzroy's Legal Service. We got on board the local QC bloke, Ron Merkel, and um, and so uh, and and they said, oh, look. Um, uh, Ron said, oh, so all you want, Jack, is for them to remove that that insidious questioning of uh, proof of Aboriginality. I said, yeah, that's all I want. So, um, and it's about time somebody did it because it had been dashing the dreams and hopes of so many people. You know, even Kutcher Edwards was, uh, you know, had a, a message delivered to him from one of the members of the, the board saying, Uncle Kutcher, your proof of Aboriginality uh, uh, form has uh, expired. Could you renew it? And so, and Archie Roach, uh, uh, other strong men and women, Madonna and sisters, all of them have been roundly abused by uh, writers, uh, directors, uh, people, uh, young rappers have been roundly abused with this insidious question. So you needed a bugger like me, you know, a black, black mongrel like me. To uh, uh, challenge them, so so okay. This mob. So what you're saying basically is that you you were walking, you walked out in, in Sydney, you went yeah, back to yeah. Melbourne, and then Uncle Archie asked you to play in the choir, and that was his last performance, wasn't it? Was that his last performance? This was years ago. This was years ago. Oh, it was years ago. Yeah, into the Bloodstream tour. A few, oh, uh, okay, I get uh, it now. Quite a few albums ago, EPs ago. Oh, I get uh, it know. now. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, so uh, yeah, I was delighted that uh, uh, when Archie saw me in Melbourne, he says, "Well, you, 
he heard because it became national news that Uncle Jack Charles had been asked to prove his Aboriginality. Oh, I get it now. Okay. You know, it, was, it was headline news of that, you know. The very idea that anybody would ask me to prove my Aboriginality just uh, rankles, you know, my senses, uh, all my senses. Absolutely, uh, it's like, awful. I'm intolerant against that behaviour, that elder abuse, that uh, you know disrespect. Very uh, much so. In my culture, uh, my long-standing, my longevity in the arts and etc. That I, I would be, you know, asked this insidious question by a big federal funding body, albeit an Aboriginal one. So it was about time somebody stood up. So while that action was being undertaken. Um, asked you pick me up to do um, uh, come and join us, Jack. And I'm, I'm about to tour into the Bloodstream tour. You want to come along and uh, join the choir? I want you in my choir. <laughs> and, wow. and the next thing I know, I uh, I was uh, dressed in a ill-fitting suit and uh, down at uh, Port Perry Cemetery down there near Kalani and uh, <laughs> and uh, um, uh, and uh, and I walked um, in camera uh, up to the hall next to this grand old church that Archie and Shane Howard and company had saved from the developers. And in there was a group uh, all dressed in the 50s attire, and Archie was belting the song, uh, Song to Sing, uh, when I walked in. So that's become a great, uh, <coughs> my first um, you know, uh, engagement with Archie. Um, and... Uh, so uh, into the bloodstream tour. And, of course, when we hit Sydney and then uh, Woodford, he asked me to sing uh, the Paul Kelly bits of We Won't Cry song. And uh, so that was uh, really fabulous to be uh, singing. You know, there, there we were, the uh, bald legend and the feral legend together up there on the stage singing We Won't Cry with the, with the backing and that. You know, just a fantastic time was had by all. So I'm indebted to Archie, and I recalled that uh, story to him when Jill asked me to um, uh, to um, say a few words. I remember uh, we were dancing away, Archie, and I, I was flinging him about. Then <laughs> he gave him apoplexy. <laughs> he had shortness of breath at the time, even then, so we had to stop filming, and I followed I, Usually apologising to him, but that's just all right, Uncle. <laughs> but uh, yes, <laughs> it, it was just a fabulous time uh, for for me to uh, to be working with uh, Uncle Archie Roach. Absolutely, yeah. and 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 in fact, um, so what what year was that approximately, Uncle? Oh, I don't know, uh, two thousand fifteen. Yeah, it was maybe. in the two thousands, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was just fabulous. Um, um, so, so he, so Archie, Uncle Archie, eventually he knew what happened to you, didn't he, about proving Aboriginality? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 read about it and that because it came news and he heard it over the radio and television and etc. Andrew Bolton was uh, you know telling everybody that Uncle Jackson sued the Arts Council of Australia. <laughs> well, I thought no, no, the best action is just to. Take uh, you know through my legal team, talking to their legal team, and have them re- remove that part of the policy of proof of Aboriginality. It took them eight months to remove that policy, 
It had to be done double quick time because the obituary theatre needed me up in Sydney at Belvoir Street at the end of that year. So, um, in a sense, I did hold uh, both uh, Sydney Theatre Company and Belvoir Street Theatre Company and the obituary theatre company to ransom because Rachel was also on that board, Rachel Mazza. And Rachel did say that when she bought, joined the board, she had been, you know, at loggerheads with the rest of the board, telling them to please remove that section of the policy because it was seen that there were very little, you know, very little governors in the arts that would have the cheek, the temerity, the gumption to uh, seek dedicated Aboriginal arts funding, claiming to be Aboriginal when they're not. Uncle Jack, can you... I think what would be really fantastic at this point, just in case we've got new listeners that have tuned in, can you explain, while I've got you here, because mm. um, I, I, I don't have much much of a chance to talk to you because you're so popular and so busy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can you talk to us about what happened? Can you explain from the beginning what happened and the outcome? Can you talk about uh, that with us? uh, Yes, 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 yes. yes. Well, uh, as is the responsibility of an elder in my unique situation, the last grandfather of Indigenous theatre, I might have you all know, that... um, it's my responsibility to give a heads up uh, to the uh, ATSI Board of the Arts Council of Australia, particularly when I was seeking dedicated Aboriginal arts funding uh, of 50 grand for a copy table picture book I wanted to produce. So on the way to rehearsals, I dropped into Strawberry Hills and pulled down the manager, John, and I said, John, uh, look, um, uh, you know who I am. He said, oh, yes, Jack, I know who you are, Uncle. Uh, so, look, um, I'm um, I'm seeking, actually, seeking very shortly. I'll be putting in a request for a grant of $50,000 for a coffee table picture book I wanted to produce. And is it true that any of us seeking dedicated Aboriginal arts funding have to prove their Aboriginality? Well, John, I don't believe I should have to do that. I'm in your Yarn Up magazine on the foyer table right there. And the back page is speaking with Rachel, who's a member of the board, about Jack Charles versus the Crown Show. And uh, so um, get back to me about that, okay? So um, uh, by morning tea time, at um, uh, uh, the stage manager came up and said, yes, uh, two members of the board, uh, Uncle, have said that uh, they make no exception. Uncle Jack Charles has to prove his Aboriginality. So I took immediate exception to that request and I told the, the company that, look, I'm, I'm leaving for the day. I'm very upset. Just being asked to prove my Aboriginality by Arts Council of Australia, the Archie Board. And that, uh, I mean, uh, Secret River was being directed by Neil Armfield, who's a member of the Arts Council of Australia. You know, Rachel Mazza is a member of the Archie Board of the uh-huh. Arts Council of Australia. And uh, and so uh, I remember Neil coming up to me the next day when I pulled everybody together at Kate Blanchard from her office. She was the CEO of Sydney Theatre Company at the time, and I I said, look, uh, I'm, I'm, um, I can't work up here in Sydney on any Sydney stage as an actor until my identity has been resolved 
by the ATSI Board of the Arts Council of Australia. I know it's not Sydney Theatre's company's fault, and I'm sorry, but I cannot perform on any Sydney stage as an actor playing, being a monkey, you know, for the ATSI Board members to come and see Secret River. So what happened in the end, Uncle? Well, what happened in the end is I did leave, and I came back down and started the action with... uh, uh, Megan Fitzgerald from Fitzroy Free Legal Service, who, by the way, has been working with many of those uh, stragglers that were struggling with the uh, uh, police and uh, the police handling of them uh, in uh, the lockdown, etc. She's had a few wins, uh, and um, and Ron Merkel, a local QC below in Collingwood, there, and um, so I left it then to uh, to do that. I did say, look. Uh, all I want is the removal of that insidious question of proof of Aboriginality. I don't believe this organisation should ask any of us because I know that so many Aboriginal people have been roundly abused with this this um, uh, this process, this insidious questioning of their indigeneity. Um, uh, so, I mean, even, even Kutcher Edwards... Um, that uh, when he realised that I was taking an action against him, he said, yes, look, uh, Lydia Miller rang up and said that, um, uh, Uncle Kutcher, your proof of Aboriginal Aboriginality has expired. Could you renew it? <laughs> what a stupid, you know. What? what? How silly is that? So is that true? The reason, that's the reason why you needed a mongrel like oh. me to undertake this, this action against this... Uh, federal funding government body, albeit an Aboriginal one, you needed somebody definitely, you know, standing on solid ground. You needed uh, the grandfather of Indigenous theatre to take... And this is my responsibility as the granddaddy of Indigenous theatre. And so uh, within eight months, lo and behold, they um, uh, they removed that part of the policy. And because I reminded them that the next generations... I'm not going to look Aboriginal. They're going to be red hair, hazel eyed, blonde hair, blue eyed, and they'll be holding tenaciously with fingertip grip onto their indigeneity. And you cannot dis- disappoint them and disrespect them and not believe them when they say they are Aboriginal because there are no white people, to my certain knowledge, that would ever want to be an Aboriginal. And in the arts, white people in the arts do not go into the ATSI board of the Arts Council claiming to be average. They just don't do it. They have too much respect. People in the arts, the white lagabs, have too much respect for the Indigenous people. And they wouldn't want to... As I say, you know, you'd have to be dippy or on drugs or, you know, uh, to to, uh, want to be an Aboriginal in this modern day and age. So it worked at success because within eight months, because... Ilvedgery Theatre needed me up in the end of that year up there in Sydney to do um, Corinder, the story of Corinder, and so uh, to play William Berwick. Berwick. So, uh, yes, uh, so I had that win. And now, if you're red hair, hazel eyed, blonde hair, blue eyed, and you're seeking dedicated Aboriginal arts funding, they have to believe you. That's the other thing I said. You know, you've got to remember that you're contributing to the distrust of Indigenous people. We are the most distrusted people in the nation and the Hatsi Board of the Arts Council of Australia. It's terrible, Uncle Jack. 
I, I was really appalled because I actually heard it on ABC a couple of weeks ago. And it really, one of the things that I've always been doing nearly all my life actually is correcting people because I have some people that say, oh, half caste or half Aboriginal. And I say, no, Aboriginal. Aboriginal. Not half. Okay, Hansen, it's Aboriginal. Roy has just only recently declared in Parliament that she's Indigenous to Australia. Yes. She was yes. born here. What a wanker. Yeah. And what a racist wanker. Uh, you know, wrinkle, terrible. A wrinkle of a person she is. Oh. And I do to, to claim that she's Indigenous because she was born here in Australia. Who, who was that? Pauline Hanson. Oh. oh, dear. Oh, God. Oh. Uh, no, no, any black fellow mobs would disown her immediately anyway. Because she stormed out, didn't she? Didn't she storm out? No, uh, yes, she storms out of the, you know, and uh, you see the price is a bit of a problem too. She speaks of her people in the third person. So I'm oh, very, God. very iffy about her. She's joined the Greens and etc. Oh. So the Greens, uh, she's supposed to be a green black fellow or something, but do uh, yeah, but, Uncle, you've he, done such amazing like work. Another best, best price from Darwin there. Yeah. But, yeah. but you've done some wonderful work, Uncle Jack, and, you know, yeah. the play and the, all those... Yeah. Th- you've, you, you, you're using all your prison experiences to help other people. Yeah. Don't worry about any of that anymore. It's It's been cleared now, hasn't it? They're not going to try and make you do it now, are they? Well, the, uh, the, just recently, the uh, Reparations Committee, with the um, with this wonderful view that Dan Andrews had admitted in Parliament some years ago that the stolen generation was in of itself a form of genocide, so he'll have a redress scheme. Well, the time has come around. He's going to give each of us members of the stolen generation $100,000 each. They born in the 30s, 40s and 50s, I think some 50s, 60s. But regardless of of that scheme, regardless, no one should have to prove their Aboriginality. Yeah, well, the the Reparations Committee uh, reckoned that I did have to prove my Aboriginality and I took exception to it. It happened right at the time. Yeah, right now. It happened at the time that I was just being awarded the... um, the National um, um, NADOC Elders Award, uh, when this insidious question arose, and I said, uh, you know, so don't they, you know, why don't they just Google me and find out that I'm distressing? You know, and there are aunties sitting on that, you know, uh, relatives of mine sitting on that reparations committee. They also sit on the uh, Treaty Commission. They've got a hunky dory job. They're sitting in their ivory towers there in Parliament. And they forget who they are, you know, and yeah. they get, forget their culture and their responsibilities. It was a form of elder abuse in my case. They asked Edwards also to prove his Aboriginality, etc. So we took, you know, uh, you know, uh, an action against them. You know, um, we didn't go into the courts or anything like this, but we went to the media and. Uh, told them they should stop asking us to prove Aboriginality because we're well-known Aboriginal just because, you know, you're holding on to the money. I mean, in order to get this $100,000, you have to uh, uh, reach connecting homes, 
tell them your name, uh, give them your date of birth and uh, your um, and your bank account number, and uh, and uh, you'll be paid twenty thousand dollars. Okay, no proof of Aboriginality was necessary for the twenty thousand dollars, right? Then, in order to get the $80,000, this insidious question arose that one has to prove uh, one's Aboriginality. And uh, that's when uh, Trucko and I got on our high high horses. And uh, I remember uh, Pam uh, Edison telling me, well, just relax, Jack, I'll bring them and that. And uh, so I did get a call from um, a couple of the, uh, the members uh, he said, uh, one of them said that uh, I've just uh, emailed uh, uh, ourselves telling us that you are Aboriginal, Jack. And I said, listen, uh, you know, if push comes to shove, we can battle this proof of Aboriginality in a building in William Street, you know, the yeah. High Court or the Supreme Court, because, you know, I've had enough of having to prove my Aboriginality to anybody. And for a peak you know, uh, funding government bodies, state funding government bodies such as yourselves, to 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 bring on that insidious question of uh, my Aboriginality um, needs to be addressed, and you need to be pulled up about it. Absolutely. So we've had a win. Now, 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 I've been paid the twenty grand, and I've been told that sometimes, very shortly, I'll be given the eighty grand, like Choco will be too. Uncle, it's I know, been, I know yeah. that there are a lot of Aboriginal people coming and going into the this mob, this reparations mob, claiming to be stolen when they're not. I know there are a lot of gubs claiming to be Aboriginal when they're not saying that they're stolen. And that. So there are this hardline bunch, and I did tell them, I said, have you forewarned these people that it, it is considered a crime to claim Aboriginality when you're not Aboriginal when you're not? And uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a crime of fraud and perjury, and you can be charged with that. Indeed. So be, you know, you should give this warning out to these people. Give them a heads up. Don't let them fall into the trap of mucking up themselves, mucking themselves up, falling in this trap of easy money and etc. Pull oh. them up at that. Pull them up at the gate, at the front gate, by saying. It is a crime to be claiming Aboriginal, to be claiming stolen when you're not. It's a crime. But that really happens, Uncle. Yeah, it really happens. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's happening right now. Oh, sorry, sorry. I meant, like, people don't, don't, don't go around, you know, proving... Like, people don't, don't say, oh, look, I'm, I'm Aboriginal, so I want the money, if they're not Aboriginal. Yeah, yeah, they do that. Yes, they do. Oh, they do? Oh, yes, they're on drugs or, uh, or they're mentally deficient or something. But not uh, often. Huh? It, doesn't, well, it wouldn't happen often. I'm told there's heaps of them. No. <coughs> anyway, Uncle, let's, let's... You know what? Well, I never believed them anyway. No. But I do believe that there would be some that would be Probably. going in there. And uh, they'd be taking advantage of these small numbers uh, to... Uh, uh, to, to, to um, elder abuse people like Chuck Not Owen, you. Well, yes, yeah. well, yes, well, they did say that I have to prove my Aboriginality. Oh, my and God. I took extreme exception to that. 
So you needed it. You needed a mongrel again in this situation. I played the mongrel, and Choco did too. Choco goes in there directly and says to them, "You know, you, you should, uh, Look, I am we, Aboriginal. We, you know we who I am. Ha- I have yeah, a picture on the reparations board there. Ask her if I'm Aboriginal." Yeah. <laughs> Uncle, it's really great that, that you come onto the show and I, I wanted to have you on to talk about this and also, um, you know, talk about Uncle Archie as well because you were cut off and you really didn't have a lot of time on Radio National so I wanted to to give you this opportunity but we're just about finished now. The show's nearly finished. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so I'll come another time, anytime. Yeah. Any time. That's fantastic. Come in sometime, Uncle. Okay, no worries. All right, Marissa. Take care, I've been right? Going to, I've been going to Choco's. Uh, Sorry? I've been going in there for Choco's uh, radio show. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, you take care of yourself, Uncle, okay? Don't worry about it anymore. No, no, I'm not worried about it. Now, Don't it's get upset. All been, all been resolved. Absolutely. Don't stress. Yes, yes. You know, going on 79 in September. Yeah, know, you've, got, a, you've got other things to think about. Your beautiful yes, work yes, that you I, do. I, Yes, I shouldn't be hassled with this insidious question of proof of Aboriginality. No, no, no. From but... cousins of mine. Yeah. All right, okay. Uncle. All right, see you then. Big hug. Take care. Thank you, and good and good night to uh, all you mob uh, listening to 3CR. <laughs> Bye. 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 Hi, we're the Marindas, and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. No crime, no time. Fix Victoria's bail laws now. Prisons are bursting at the seams with poor people. Istra Melbourne is calling on the Victorian government to release unsentenced people on remand from Victorian prisons. First Nations people are 3% of the population, yet represent 29% of the general prison population. 89% of First Nations women entering prison are unsentenced. Istra Melbourne is asking you to sign the No Crime, No Time petition, which can be found on Istra Melbourne's Facebook page. Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. Get your free ticket to the upcoming Forum for Dwelling Justice, an activist-driven event featuring speakers including Senator Lydia Thorpe, Debbie Kilroy, Rouge Amity, Whit Gari, and more. The forum brings together grassroots activists and campaign groups to strengthen solidarity movements resisting ongoing colonial dispossession, housing injustice, incarceration, and poverty. The forum ends with film screenings and a discussion between Uncle Larry Walsh, the filmmakers, and guests with lived experience of homelessness, displacement, squatting, and public housing. The event will run from 1 to 7 p.m. on Friday, the 26th of August at the Capitol Theatre, 113 Swanson Street, Narm. Entry is by donation. Join us to identify the radical potential for resistance to dispossession and displacement in Narm. To register, head to cur.org.au forward slash events or check the 3CR website for details. The Forum for Dwelling Justice is brought to you by RMIT's Centre for Urban Research a 3CR supporter. And this is the Doing Time Show, 3CR Community Radio. And we're nearing the end of the show now. And instead of um, Blackfella, Whitefella by the Rumpy Band, we're going to be going out with an Archie Roach song um, to honour his passing. And, And I've forgotten the name of the song. 
I think it's called Our Strength of Beautiful People, I believe. And we're going to be playing this song um, after I say goodbye. So it's approximately 4.57. David Glantz from the Refugee Action Collective will be coming on next week. Um, and thank you to Uncle Jack and also Narita from the Victorian Aboriginal Service Legal Service. Thank you so much. Stay strong, everybody. Thank you. Bye. You and I have stayed in touch With the ones that made us strong We do it and we don't know it's been done When life got tough sometimes we'd run Believing ourselves as we fantasize Part-time promises and mini We played with words that set the tracks Our love's gonna collapse And where did I go When you disappeared How'd you get your heart And how'd mine get repaired when it was broken And I had a hold of yours When you were wrong I needed you painfully more So much that you A fight in the morning, in the night. You went home back to your land and got the strength from your mother's hand. I went to my mark just to clear my head. Without them I would be dead We ride around and paid the price I got strong from my daddy's advice And where did I go When you disappeared How'd you get your heart You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.